Hey guys, it's Kat with another episode. Hope you guys had a good holiday weekend or at least got to enjoy some good weather. We got some good 80 degree weather, so I can't complain though. Let's be honest, I kind of wish we would enjoy a little bit more spring. On exciting news, I've got two more podcast episodes this month, and I'm currently planning to have some more guests on here starting next month. Don't get me wrong, I enjoy talking to myself, but I could go for some FaceTime interaction. I can only talk to my cat so much before she honestly gets tired of me and starts nipping at my ankles. On another big announcement, I finally have Apple Podcasts up and running. Yay! I'm so happy that it's finally over. If you guys have any other places you want me to possibly put the podcast on or have any other suggestions, please email me at eccentricextinct at gmail.com. And next on to our fancy tea segment. This week, I am trying to drink the remainder of an apple cider tea from Republic of Tea. The only downside of having a lot of tea is honestly, I feel kind of guilty because I keep buying some and I don't drink as much. Is it too much to have a tea covered? I also really want to make a dry spice pantry in my next house so that I can try to make my own tea, which I think would be pretty cool. Anyways, this tea is a nice light flavor of cinnamon, Fuji apples, and nutmeg. Obviously, an apple cider. Probably one of my favorites, but I do have a soft spot for the fall and wassail, so it's probably because of that. Speaking of apples and fall, let's get into this week's topic. Live, laugh, lava. This week we celebrate an important holiday, Earth Day. Now, mind you, kind of a day behind, but we kind of had some technical issues, so kind of had to publish this a day behind, but let's still talk about it. Earth Day is something that you should celebrate anyways all year round. So Earth Day is an annual event that happens every April 22nd and was created on the anniversary of the Santa Barbara oil blowout in 1969 where an oil well blew up and more than 3 million gallons of oil spread into the ocean, killing over 10,000 dolphins, seabirds, seals, and sea lions. But we are going to be talking more about 15 natural reactions or phenomenons that can be found all over the world. Some are more man-made and others are strictly created by the environment. If you guys want to see what these look like, you can find them on our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter page. You can also see them on our website, eccentricextinct.com. The first one we are going to talk about is dirty lightning or volcanic lightning. This reaction is an electrical discharge caused by the volcanic eruption, not from a thunderstorm. Volcanic lightning occurs most frequently around volcanoes with large ash plumes, a column of hot volcanic ash, and gas emitted into the atmosphere during an explosive volcanic eruption. Two new studies reveal different reasons for lightning above erupting volcanoes. One cause is static electricity from particles rubbing together in dense ash clouds near the ground. The other source of lightning happens near the stratosphere, high above the Earth's surface, where jockeying ice crystals unleash powerful jolts. Researchers tracked the location of lightning strikes during an April 2015 eruption of Calvico Volcano in Chile. In this case, the bolts were breaking some close to about 100 kilometers from the eruption and at near stratospheric heights of about 20 kilometers above Earth's surface. The scientists think ice formed in the top of the thinning ash cloud, which was also carrying water vapor, producing lightning like a thundercloud does. Now, the earliest record of volcanic lightning is in 79 AD on Mount Vesuvius. 
but has been sighted at other volcanoes such as Chaitin Volcano, Vulcan de Colima, Mount Augustine, and Mount Etna, to name a few. Another phenomenon is one caused by man and recently was closed to the public. It's called the Gateway to Hell and is located in Turkmenistan. It is a natural gas field that collapsed into an underground cavern. The site was found in 1971 by Soviet engineers. They set up a drilling rig, believing it to be a good oil field site, but the ground beneath the drilling rig collapsed into a 230 feet wide crater and was buried. Worried about how this would affect the nearby towns, the engineers decided it was best to burn the gas slash methane off that the crater was producing. The gas was actually expected to burn out within a few weeks, but instead it has lasted for more than four decades. In 2014, explorer George Karaunis was the first person to set foot at the bottom and gather samples. On our Instagram, you can actually see a photo of him getting out of the crater, and honestly, it's kind of something that's out of like an old space movie, or honestly, that he's like in Mars and he's leaving this giant burning crater. So it's pretty cool. You should check it out. On to the next phenomenon we go. We end up in the driest region of Antarctica to talk about the Blood Falls. Located at the Taylor Glacier in the McMurdo Dry Valleys, the Blood Falls spews its iron hypersaline discharge into Lake Bonnie. It was found in 1911 by Australian geologist Griffith Taylor. First, it was thought to be red algae, but recently it was found to be an iron-rich liquid that turns red when it reaches the surface and oxidizes. Interestingly enough, the research from earlier this year is also being used to evaluate subglacial environments on Earth but also on other potential environments throughout the solar system. Honestly, this site kind of looks like something out of a horror movie because you have everything. It's just beautiful, white, and perfect, and clean, and then you just see this giant waterfall of blood dripping down. So pretty intriguing. The next phenomenon is actually pretty well known. It's called the Northern Lights, or you can also have Southern Lights. This is a natural light display seen in the sky in high latitude regions. They occur due to the disturbance, and I want to call this as a magnetosphere because I love Magneto from X-Men, but I'm pretty sure it's magnetosphere. But anyways, they occur due to the disturbance in the magnetosphere caused by solar winds, which is a stream of charged particles released from the upper atmosphere of the sun. The results of this disturbance is ionization of the atmospheric constituents emitting different colors of light and complexity. In mythology, they have also been described as light reflecting of Valkyrio's armor, which is in Norse mythology. But then you also have an evil spirit creating a light fire for the dairy people and spirits of departing friends dancing for the Dene people, to describe just a few. You can go to see the lights in a variety of places. In Europe, it's recommended to head to Norway, Sweden, and Finland. In North America, your best bet would probably be Alaska, the Canadian Yukon, Churchill or the western shore of the Hudson Bay in Toronto, Canada. Just make sure it's a clear night and expect to see activity between 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Then up next we have giant spider webs that cover a ton of fields in Australia. The photos of this make it look like snow. This is just how much the fields are covered. It's crazy. Also known as spider bum parachutes, this natural phenomena is caused by spiders trying to escape heavy bouts of rain in flooded areas. Spiders move around by releasing a drag line of silk to help support them if they fall. The wind will then pick them up and the spiders get released along the way. This is called ballooning or parachuting. Though you might be disgusted by this vent as uh, partially, I do like spiders, but this, this is an extreme amount of spiders. Uh, for the spiders, this is kind of 
an evolutionary cause. This is the only way they're going to survive. And this is kind of an example of why they've lasted so long, and it's just due to their adaptability. This same occurrence has happened in Pakistan, Tasmania, and New Zealand. How about dangerous frozen bubbles? Next stop is Lake Abraham in Alberta, Canada, with frozen bubbles that contain methane, highly flammable gas. These bubbles form when dead organic matter fall into the water and sink to the bottom. We're talking dead leaves or animals. The bacteria eats the dead material and releases methane that turns into white bubbles that freeze on contact with the frozen water. Due to more thawing of permafrost, ground at or below the freezing point of water for two or more years, the amount of methane bubbles in bodies of water has increased. Kind of not great since it's supposed to be a more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. So you can say hello to more hotter temperatures and longer summers because the permafrost is melting. Another mystery to solve would be the Namibian fairy circles in southern Africa. These barren circles are edged with patches of vegetation ranging from about 10 to 65 feet in diameter, and they stretch for hundreds of miles. Local legends state that these are actually footprints from the gods, but scientists believe that it's more the desert has limited water supply, so the plants are competing for the water. The strongest are the outer circle rings that survive as the rest thins out. Another theory is that termites live underneath the deserts, and that within these termites, there's actually separate colonies. These separate colonies have actually fought each other, and in instances have sometimes wiped each other out. So, through experience, they generally leave each other alone. It's stated that these no-man lands, or in this case, no-termite lands, is the circle of vegetation shown above ground. So, it's still kind of unknown, but it's also being further studied. Now let's take a dip into a seemingly bottomless sinkhole near Cape Perpetua, Oregon. Known as the drain pipe of the Pacific, or as a nicer name, Thor's Well, this hole appears to suck water from the ocean. But in reality, it is a hole in a rock formation that is about 20 feet deep. Speculated to have been made due to erosion over time, this hole fills up and fizzles over creating a spray that bubbles over the rocks. Then the water drains back in and it repeats over and over again. Not recommended to visit this during high tide as the water will pull you in. Uh, so your best time to visit is actually low tide when the well is actually calm. There's other nearby attractions that have similar characteristics, such as the devil's churn and spouting horn. How about a neon blue glowing beach for vacay? This natural phenomenon can be found in Hong Kong, California, Thailand, Australia, Florida, and a few other places. This effect is called bioluminous beach and is actually caused by photoplankton, which is a type of microalgae that floats to the surface of the ocean. They create a bright neon blue light when they're agitated by wave movements or nearby fishes or people, and their agitation causes proteins to pass through their body, creating electrical pulses that activate a protein. This protein is what causes the blue light to be emitted. I mean, it really, to be honest, looks like someone took liquid out of a neon stick and poured it into the ocean. Next, we visit the Forest of Knives, or is also known as the Singy Forest in Madagascar. This forest is made up of jagged knife-like limestone formations that are over 2,600 feet in the air and parts stretched to 375,000 acres. The formation began more than about 200 million years ago when layers of calcite at the bottom of the lagoon formed a thick limestone bed. As we forward into time, the tectonic activity elevated the limestone and the sea level fell, allowing the stones to get their height and to be carved sharp by the monsoon rains. It is a nature reserve you can visit, uh, but forewarning, it's really not for the faint of heart. It's 
kind of been known to cut through equipment and cut flesh, so you better not misstep because you can easily impale yourself. Besides being able to see the Northern Lights, Alaska can also boast having the bright blue Menden Hill Ice Caves, which are formed on the Menden Hill Glacier. Located outside of Juneau, these ice caves constantly change due to the melting ice and glacier recession. The glacier itself is over 3,000 years old and has been receded rapidly since the 1500. It's thought to recede out of Menden Hill Lake, which is causing the cave to actually disappear. The Menden Hill Ice Caves are formed by the melting glacial ice and flow of water around the side of the glacier. The melted water runs underneath and through the glacier, carving out new caves on the regular. The caves get their beautiful blue color from the air being squeezed out from the frozen ice and snow. You can access them either by kayak or by a nearby trails, but I recommend you doing soon because this phenomenon is actually going extinct. Now, how about 50 million red crabs migrating to an island each year as your next destination? Around 50 million red crabs are estimated to live on Christmas Island, Australia. Between October and December, the crabs leave their inland home to go to the seaside to lay their eggs. The females will drop their eggs into the water, which is called spawning for technical terms. Uh, the males will dig holes into the sand, and they return home after mating. The females will actually stay in the burrows and warm the eggs before dropping them into the water and returning home. The larvae will hatch and evolve into more crabs. They too will make the same journey inland to find a place to live, and the process continues into the next year. If you go, you also may see roads and sections closed as the locals do their best to protect the crabs from an accidental death. Next, we stop at Lake Hillier, a saline lake on the edge of the Middle Island in the south coast of Western Australia. It's around 600 meters long, and this lake is surrounded by a rim of sand and a large dense forest of paper bark and eucalyptus trees. But honestly, the most notable feature of this lake is its vibrant pink color. It honestly looks like something out of Barbie Dreamhouse. And if you think you would scoop out the water and it would change the color, that's actually not true. The water will stay pink. They say the color is due to the presence of an organism that has a type of green microalgae found in sea salt fields. Despite it having a high salt content, this lake is actually safe to swim in. But you will find that it's kind of hard to get to. Your best bet is either to visit it by a helicopter or a cruise that has it on its itinerary. The next place is something that I, I really want to go see, and that's the Rainbow Mountain in China. The Dangzia landforms can be found in the eastern foothills of the Kilian Mountains. Layers of different colored sandstone and minerals have been pressed over 24 million years and buckled by tectonic plates to get to the appearance of a layered mountain. During different periods, varying rocks were formed that contained different amounts of ferrous salt in the mud and stone. This is why the layers have different colors. Because of the changes in the sedimentary environments, the sedimentary layers formed have different colors of red, purplish red, yellowish green, grayish green, and gray. Every layer took thousands of years to form. Make sure to sign up with a sightseeing bus as no private cars or other tourist buses are actually allowed into this park. And our final natural phenomenon is the mysterious underwater crop circles. First spotted in 1995 off the coast of southern Japan, these seven-foot diameter patterned circles confuse divers and scientists alike. That is, until 2011, when someone caught a cheeky male pufferfish trying to woo a female. The male pufferfish can spend seven to nine days to build their decorative circles by repeatedly swinging in and out of the circle, using their fins to dig into the sandy bottom, which gives them that beautiful pattern. They would then add shells and coral fragments to further develop their designs. 
But the most important part was that the swimming pattern would kick up fine sand particles and would push them into the middle of the crop circle, serving as the actual nest. When his future lady would approach, the male would swim back and forth, kicking up the fine sand particles in the middle, hoping she will accept him as a suitable mate and lay her eggs in the center. Though once the hatching happens, the circles are left completely and the male has to use a new place for further mating. But to be honest, I think I enjoyed believing it was more aliens than it was a puffer fish. But I guess we have to chalk it up to science. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Definitely had a lot of fun researching this episode, and I found some really cool places that I hope to visit in the future, especially the caves, as I really want to go spelunking at some point. Has anyone actually gone spelunking? Because I I would love to get some additional feedback on what it's like, because I, of course, don't know anything about it. But cave dwelling aside, please leave a comment and a rating if where you're listening to the podcast allows it, as it really greatly helps me out. And I actually appreciate any help or constructive feedback that you guys actually have because I am constantly learning about how to do this, especially if when I'm on my own. If you guys want some visuals on how these places look, by the way, make sure to follow our Instagram and Facebook at eccentric.extinct and our Twitter at eccentricxtinct, which I didn't have enough room for the whole E. I will also have the source notes that have more information as well as great photos on our website at eccentricextinct.com. Thanks again for joining me on this week's journey to 15 natural phenomenons. See you next week for another topic of eccentric and extinct. I bid veil.